Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hi, welcome to our Steampunk Book Recommendations panel. Um, I'm Laura Homer. Hey, we're going to close those doors. <laughs> no one smells paint anymore? No, I think we're clear. Good. Okay. So, that we don't have that. I'm Laura Homer, and when Madam uh, Skew asked me to do this panel, I was very excited about it, and then I looked at who all was on the panel with me, and I'm like, well, this is the Laura Feels Inadequate panel, <laughs> because I am on this panel with Madam Skew and two authors, and I'm just me. But uh, I was asked to find, oh, so, and then, oh, um, hi, my name is Madeline Hollywood-Mose, I am the writer and creator of the Steampunk Supernatural series, Boston Metaphysics. I'm David Lee Summers, and by day I write things like Steampunk, probably best known for my Clockwork Legion series, um, Owl Dance, and my latest is a novella called Breaking the Code, out from Eastbeck Books. And um, by night I operate telescopes at Hit Peak National Observatory, and where I was till 6 a.m. this morning, and then got a very short nap, and I'm here. <laughs> so hopefully that makes sense. So far, so good. Don't, don't worry, I'll always make you sound better. <laughs> I know you will. And I will say, actually, Laura, you, you are the to us, the writers, the, the VIP on this panel, because you're one of the readers that, that we value so much. Not only a reader, but a teacher and yes. a mentor of young people. So, a perfect representative. I am Madame Askew. Um, I am Askew. I am a tremendous reader and a comedian. Time traveler, and I've been running a steampunk book club for almost a dozen years. <laughs> and hello, and hello, Lady Juicewell in the back, who's like one of the OG steampunk book club members. Um, so I went from running an in person book club to running a virtual book club with my friend Bill Barden, who, who helps organize and do all the book club things online. So we've been doing that the entirety of the lockdown and pandemic. Woo! Sign up books. Alright, see, I told you I'd make you feel better. Excellent. So, uh, this was a conversation that started with me and Bill Bodin uh, through the course of running our book club. And we thought it's very important to support and uplift our authors because we really want them to write more things. And we've heard the best way is to actually 
uh, promote their works and buy them or get them from the library. And so we thought, wouldn't it be nice to actually talk about that at a convention and also get our author friends to talk about some of their favorites. Um, Madeline, would you like to start us off a bit? Um, I, I certainly can. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I had a long drive yesterday. Uh, actually, one of the first, uh, Dexter and Sinister by Keith Dickinson. He's a UK author who, I'm trying to remember, I think we met each other on Twitter, the whole thing. This is a lot of times as I just say hello and I follow people and say nice things to them and um, don't get into fights online, which is very helpful. Uh, and I picked up his book. Uh, it's such about a, a mechanical cat and his detective partner and they make a detective team and they're both uh, hired to look into some shady goings on at the airship factory and uh, the investigation has barely begun before people start uh, dying. Uh, soon he's on the wrong side of some fairly unpleasant people and that's before he meets Dexter, the world's only talking, walking, mechanical cat. That's when things get um, this is what I would call much more a traditional steampunk fair set in the UK. Uh, there's no paranormal elements going on. Uh, very um, uh, social structure is, is very hard, you know, and blind. Um, but it was utterly charming, and uh, the, the characters and, and the supporting characters I just, you know, absolutely loved and. I know Keith, he has a little newsletter out there and, you know, trying to, you know, drum up like uh, a lot of indie authors and myself included, uh, like, like, hello, hello, I'm here. Um, but yeah, I would, I would highly recommend um, Keith's book. Uh, he's also a really nice guy, which is also helpful. Um, should I just go through my list or? Would you like to or do you want to take turns? We can take turns. Let's, let's, let's take turns. Fine. That's more fun. Laura, I'll let you dive in. Okay. You can um, see who the bossy one is, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was asked to find recommendations for children and young adults type steampunk books, and uh, which is great because being a teacher and having a lot of little people in my life, I like to read a lot of children's books. And uh, so uh, I cheated a little bit because I was asked to find five books to recommend, but pretty much all of mine are series, or at least have other books by the same author that I can also recommend. Um, so the first one on my list is The Hunchback Assignments by Arthur Slade, and um, it's about um, this, this boy who he was found as a very young child. He has a mysterious power um, that he can change his shape and uh, no one knows where this power comes from. He was discovered in a traveling freak show, and uh, he was rescued by Mr. Socrates, not his real name. Um, and he names the little boy Moto and raises him and trains him to become a, a spy, a secret agent in his organization. Um, and so there's four books. I think there's only four? Yeah, there's four books in this series. Uh, and they fight against the villainous Clockwork Guild. And um, it kind of takes them all over the world, kind of see. Um, it's, and I really liked the books. I thought they were very engaging. 
Yeah, I, I actually had that on my list as well. Um, uh, uh, Arthur's really nice on his newsletter. I've actually chatted with him a couple of times, and um, uh, the the series itself had been optioned for development, but I think ran into development hell as they often do, and I don't know what happened with that. But I believe he took back um, the U.S. rights and then republished them. Uh, and self-publish them again. Um, and I, I think the original traditional publisher, I don't remember which publisher it was, kept the Canadian rights. Um, but yes, it's a great YA, lots of fun, interesting, great conflict. Yeah, and I mean, and it's something that you can give to, you know, your eight-year-old and feel good about it. So. <laughs> yeah. So for me, um, the heart, what I came to this with was I wanted to lift up some of the indie and small press publishers that I know because I, I am an indie uh, publisher myself and uh, I really enjoy, I've enjoyed working over the years with a lot of small presses and so I wanted to, to highlight them. The hard part for me when, uh, when I was presented with put five on the list was only five. Um, That's why I cheated. And, yes. And, 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 so, and so I'm, I'm going to, I'm actually going to cheat here on the panel for a minute and mention a couple that aren't on my list. Do but, cheat. Uh, like cheating. Uh, but partly because one of, one of them is here in the room and that uh, uh, I'm going to talk about the Empires of Steam and Rust series, which is a wonderful set of small um, of novellas and Robert E. Vardaman has, uh, has the first book essentially in the series. I have one of the books in the series. There's Stephen Sullivan and uh, Sarah Barch. Yeah, my, 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 my sleep deprived brain <laughs> is at work here. Um, and I believe we read yours in book club. Yes. And it was fantastic. Revolution of Aaron Rust yeah, is, is mine in the series. Yeah. And um, I was also going to briefly give a shout out to uh, The Tales of Gear World by Patrick Thomas. Patrick Thomas is an author I've worked with for many years in Tales of the Talisman magazine and have always uh, really loved his stories. He has a uh, new series coming out soon that I also am fortunate enough to have a uh, story in called Agents of the Abyss, so watch for that. Uh, that's going to be sort of have steampunk elements, but it's actually set all through history. So, and then I will just move into my first one on the list, which is Beyond the Rails by Jack Tyler. Uh, Jack is a person I met through an online book club, and I, what really grabbed me about this was it was a, a basically a, a collection of tales about an airship doing um, cargo deliveries in Africa and the fact that so little steampunk gets set in places like Africa. It was just wonderful to see this, and it was just a delightful, fun read. Um, well, I love that magic segue, because my first book I wanted to recommend um, is Ever Fair by Nisi Scholl, and it is also set in Africa. Um, it's actually an alternative history approach to uh, the period in Africa in which King Leopold and the Belgians were uh, doing truly uh, unspeakable atrocious acts in the Congo. Um, and one of the things I look for in steampunk is sort of new perspectives. I read 
so much steampunk and um, I am passionate about showing a spotlight on small and indie publishers um, but also sharing a spotlight, show, shining a spotlight on uh, areas of steampunk that do not often get explored. So this is, I think, one of the most beautiful steampunk books I've ever read in terms of the prose. Really exceptional. Um, it's a, got a huge cast of fascinating, deep, three-dimensional characters. It is a complicated story. If you want just something that's just going to be feel good and easy, this is not the book for you right now. <laughs> but it is a book that I think everyone should read because it is deeply engaging. The world is so real, it just drew me into her world building. And she has, a, they have a facility for how they use history that really um, made it feel palpable. And I, I'm familiar with some of the history, um, the Fabians, Marcus Garvey, the Back to Africa movement in the 19th century, all very important actual history that does not often get taught. But the way um, they use it, the author uses it, um, is particularly compelling. And so I love it for that exploration of history. For uh, like the technology that uh, Nisi Scholl develops is also really fascinating. Um, so it's an excellent use of rubber and steam and airships and also using the indigenous culture in that area around the Congo. Um, to great effect for storytelling. So it's it's long, it's intense, it's beautiful. Give it a try. Yeah. Well, segueing off of that. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'm currently listening to uh, an audiobook series called the Dandelion Dynasty, Dandelion Dynasty series by Ken Liu. Now, uh, this is set in a fictitious island nation. Um, it is. Uh, based on Asian folklore, and also, I mean, he's done extensive research on um, the technology and then built upon the technology. If, if you're a tech person, oh my god. The, the technology and the way the battle sequences are, I'm sorry, this is the first time I, I have read or heard a battle sequence between airships and the equivalent of dragons. <laughs> And it freaking rocks. It is one of the best battle sequences I have probably ever read. And we're talking about two groups of people, one that is more Asian-based, uh, heavy in hierarchical caste system, but does research, big technology base, fighting against a, a group of people who are invading, who are traditionally nomadic, um, sort of a combination of uh, a Viking and a Mongol people merged together. And they are also brilliant in their own way. Um, and they also treat their women a lot better than the, the Asian side, if you want to call it Asian. Uh, but yeah, the what they do with the, the airships, and I'm sorry, I just, I listened to that thing, and I was going like, oh my god, the whole thing. Uh, so, basically, uh, this is from the Amazon blurb. Uh, wily, charming Kunigaru, a bandit and, a bandit and stern, fearless Mata Zindu, 
the son of the deposed duke, seem like polar opposites. Yet in an uprising against the emperor, the two quickly become the best of friends after a series of adventures fighting against vast conscripted armies, silk drake airships, and shape-shifting gods. Once the emperor has been overthrown, however, they each find themselves the leader of separate factions, two sides with very different ideas about how the world should be run and the meaning of justice. So this would be what I think genre we call a silk punk. <laughs> but uh, it, like I said, I'm in the third book. The airship battle happens in the second book, but yeah. But he's quite the writer too. Like yes, he, is, he, he is. writes he's, the heck out of things. He's and so he, good. he's done a lot of translations too. Oh, of, I did not know. Of, um, the, 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 uh, the, the English translation of which is one that you go? Or yeah, three body problem. Thank you. Three body you. problem, yes. Yeah. Fantastic. What was the author's name again? Ken Liu, L I U. Laura? Okay, the next one on my list is called The Girl with the Ghost Machine. It's by Lauren Stefano, and she also has a few other books. Um, that I really liked, but this one uh, is most steampunk. Um, it's about a little girl whose mother dies, and she, her father becomes obsessed with building this machine to bring her back, uh, to the point where she's basically lost her father too. She's pretty much caring for herself as a little girl, and she finally decides that she's either going to make the machine work or break it, because she needs at least one parent back. And so she goes to work on the machine herself. And that's where the most of the plot happens. So, um, and it's very interesting and I like that it's, it's also very character driven and like a lot of children's books, um, the character finds a lot about, out about themselves along the way as well. Well, the next book on my list was actually another one that uh, was through was discussed at the Steampunk Book Club, and actually a uh, the the author has come and, and uh, spoken to the book club virtually. Uh, this is Karen J. Carlisle from Australia, and uh, the book I have is the Department of Curiosities for the Good of the Empire, which was a just a delightful, very traditional kind of steampunk book with. Uh, about the Department of Curiosities is essentially the keepers of secrets of the Empire. And uh, we have, oh, I'll just read the blurb. Uh, Miss Matilda Meriwether has a secret. Actually, she has several. One of them has shaped her adult life. Another now controls it. Her Majesty, Queen Victoria, has control of the Empire. She is, she is the Empire and creator of its secrets. Sir Avery works for the Department of Curiosities, the keeper of secrets, especially if they are useful to the Empire. When Tilly finds herself in the employment of the Department of Curiosities, she realizes this is the perfect opportunity to uncover the truth she has been searching for, but the Queen has other plans for her. And it was just a many-layered, wonderful, fun book. And all of Karen's books are, are that way. I, I, I have, I, I've been delighted with all of her, uh, all the books I've read from her. And uh, another person that I just met online through basically a steampunk online group. And we, we've uh, communicated back and forth through shared resources. And I think that's just one of 
Yeah, sometimes just keeping your eyes open for for these people uh, out and about uh, is a great way to discover some excellent reads. Thank you, David. Yeah, Karen is a... <laughs> yes, yeah, she is. is um, so I'm going to share uh, something that would actually pair very well with Ken Liu's works, and that is The Sea is Ours, which uh, was published through a Kickstarter quite a few years ago now. Um, it is a steampunk anthology set in Southeast Asia, written by Southeast Asian authors, and uh, is produced by two fantastic editors, Jamie Goh and Joyce Chun. Jamie used to run uh, the multicultural, Beyond Victoriana Multiculturalism for Steampunk website, which was one of my favorite resources for getting more information and more of a sense of what steampunk could be if I wanted to explore that. And I do, frankly. Um, so this is a really gorgeous anthology, wonderful stories. Um, they run the gamut of different flavors. So if you don't like something, you might like something else. That's one of the things I love about an anthology and I get to meet a lot of new authors that way. Um, but one of the things I particularly love about this is no one feels like A, steampunk has to be brown and that you have to have a certain kind of engine or a certain kind of vehicle. The technology is innovative, interesting, organic, and sometimes poignant and poetic too. So um, there's a thing about flying whales that is... Oh, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite stories. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, the flying whales are like a dirt, yeah. but it, I, I'm sure it comes from folklore. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. So I uh, highly recommend, I know you can still get it as a digital mm -hmm. uh, book, I don't know that you can still get a physical copy, um, but it's a fantastic read. Yeah. And the Easter Island story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah. Did, I laughed, I cried. Those two were my favorite. But, yeah, so good. Oh, the whales, though. <laughs> yeah, the end of the whale story, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, right in the fields, as the other yeah. people say. So. <laughs> well, uh, Laura, we keep putting you at the beginning of the line. Would you like to switch it up? Do you mind? No, that? I'm good. Okay, good. Go And uh, it's a very interesting concept, and uh, I really 
loved it. It was a really good book, and it's a very fast read, again, for middle grade kids, but anyone can play. <laughs> well, and I really to pose briefly, that's a great segue into your own work, Madeline. But I will. Honestly, <laughs> 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 your Boston Metaphysical Society is fantastic. Thank you. Um, it, it has a spur photographer in it. That's that's why she she mentioned it. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> I'm not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's one of our main characters. Yes, Caitlin O'Sullivan. So good. Yeah. Oh, I really um, I'm absolutely obsessed now. So. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I guess it's my turn. Uh, back to more uh, traditional series. Uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of Shelley Adina and her Magnificent Devices series. And I believe she's segueing into an Edwardian series that's like Devices series. But um, yeah. The blurb is, at 17, Claire Trevelyan, daughter of Viscount St. Ives, was expected to do nothing more than pour an elegant cup of tea, sew a fine seam, and catch a rich husband. Unfortunately, Claire's talents lie not in the ballroom, but in the chemistry lab, where things have gotten have a regrettable habit of blowing up. When her father gambles the estate on the combustion engine and loses, Claire finds herself down and out on the mean streets of London. But being a young woman of resources and intellect, she turns fortune on its head. And this is absolutely charming and fun series. And then there's the chickens. <gasps> there's lots of chickens in here. And I actually interviewed Shelley for my uh, newsletter uh, a number of years ago. And I just said, what's up with the chickens? <laughs> and uh, she has pet chickens at home. She adores chickens. And they're like gorgeous. And she if you follow her on Facebook, you get lots of chicken pictures. Um, but yes, it is a very fun, uh, obviously female-driven, uh, and you know, I sometimes the stories go ways I don't like them to go. But this one does go in a nice place, and <laughs> and yeah, there's lots of great conflict. Um, you know, she doesn't always win, which is a good thing, uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's utterly charming and really fun. And if you're looking for something a little more on the light side, yeah, this this not that that's not in a negative thing. But if you just don't, you need something nice on your brain for a while. This is this is a good series to go. I think there's like twelve books in it now. It just she just keeps on going. But clearly, you didn't have to read them. So <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Oh, oh, you, you should. Out. Uh, yeah, you know you should, and and you'll love her. Excellent. On, on uh, thank you at your meeting. Yeah. Well, my next book kind of brings both of these ideas together, so it's a wonderful segue right there. Um, we have a little bit of a little bit of magic, a little bit of spiritualism, a little bit of a coming of age story in *The Clockwork Witch* by Michelle B. Sonnier, which was uh, published by Espec Books. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it's, it starts out feeling a little like it's going to be a Harry Potter-esque type story with a young woman who is coming of age in a very magical society, except it doesn't appear that she has any magical abilities until she discovers that she has a hitherto un, um, undiscovered magical ability, which is the ability to control machines through magic. 
hence the clockwork witch. And so it, it's just, again, it, it was just one of those just very engrossing stories. And she has a second book in that series. And everything I've read by Michelle, I've just absolutely adored. Actually, we do have her schedules for reading Excellent. this year. Very excited. We love the good people at Eastbeck. They're fantastic. We do great books. <laughs> and um, I think she's got a third one coming out. Actually, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. I think they, are they? I think they're either kickstarting it now or they're getting ready to kickstart yes. it. Uh, Danielle has a has a whole line of kickstarters so in the queue this year. So I need to do a little shine a little light on that. So uh, mine is uh, has witch in the title, but is otherwise very different. Um, that is Witchmark by C.L. Paul, which some people might go, well, that's not steampunk, where's the, where's the steam? Well, there are definitely things powered by steam, but also magic and um, queerness. Uh, and it's Edwardian. Uh, and it's uh, <laughs> so good. And I honestly, there are many things I love about this, but I could probably like wrap myself in the prose just roll around decadently. <laughs> just rub the pages. Um, no, that's very <laughs> But uh, it's such a beautiful book. And the central character, just from the moment I meet him on the page, I just wanted to know about him, what was going on. And he elicits so much um, empathy for me. He is a queer man in a time in an alternative world in which that is something that is pretty uh, not okay and he has to keep that on the down note. But also there's um, other secrets that he's grappling with that are kind of big and his family is like disappointed in him but <laughs> I love that. And so <laughs> there's a little found family and a little fingering his nose at the establishment and a little skullduggery and just it's, it's part of a series and it's wonderful. And I do not feel like it got enough love, so give it a try. Yeah. What was the title? That is Witchmark by C. L. Polk. And it's a trilogy. And it's a trilogy, and it's beautiful. So yeah, fantastic book. Right, Laura, we're back to you. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was uh, very speedy because I got a little bit Twitter hated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one on. My list is called Cabinet of Earths, and there's two books in this series. The other one is called The Box of Gargoyles. Um, the author's name is Anne Nesbitt. Uh, it's about a girl named Maya, and her mother has had cancer, and then her father gets this mysterious letter from the Society of Philosophical Chemistry in Paris, and uh, is granting him a fellowship for the year and they're paying for their move and for the apartment in Paris and all of these things. And so Maya's mother has always wanted to live in Paris. Their family is from there. So they decide to go. And uh, once there, then her family, she starts uh, delving into their family history and finds a bunch of connections to, um, there's, a, there's a cousin who, is almost invisible. Like seriously, no one knows she's there. Even if she speaks, she has a hard time getting people's attention. And um, there's a man with purple eyes that follows her and her brother around the city and it's kind of scary. And um, then there's a man who is like a great uncle or cousin who 
guards a cabinet that's filled with these tiny bottles of uh, colored earths and sands, and it seems to call to Maya, and she really wants to go to it and like jump into it almost. And so it's her adventure finding out how all of these things are connected and um, saving her family. It's a really cool story. Going back to uh, outside the UK and uh, the United States, um, The Master of Gin by P. Jean Clark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I was going to put it on my list and I thought, no, I want more books. So we're going to let Madeline. It's such a beautiful book that is so good. Um, yeah, no, it was. And um, I, I see that uh, Bill had put. Um, Another novella, The Black God Drums, by the same author. It has nothing to do with the Master of Gender, but it's fabulous. The so Black good. God Drums is just that. I love both of both. Freaking awesome. I mean, um, honestly, everything he writes is so good. Yeah, Master of Gin is a, a spin-off of his novella, what's The Haunting of Tramp Car, yeah. something, something, something. Yeah, yeah it was yes. a dungeon in Cairo and then The Haunting of Tramp Car. Oh, number. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's an important number, but I can't remember the number. Yeah, it's just like in one. Zero one five. Zero one five. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, but in short, uh, Cairo, 1912. Uh, the Fatima al Sharawi is the youngest woman working for the Ministry of Alchemy, Enchantments, and Supernatural Entities. She's certainly not a rookie, especially after preventing the destruction of the universe last summer. So, yeah, this has some, what I would call very, some classical. Steampunk elements, particularly in was the year of the world. Yeah, yeah, that's within the the bureau of alchemy, yeah, or the ministry. Um, lots of mechanical things going on. Uh, also, a queer based relationship, um, and really interesting characters. And it was really fun fun to read. And it was interesting because of like. The bad guy here, you did, he did a really good job of like, okay, that's not really the bad guy. There's the other, you know, it's a nice little red herrings throughout the book, and you're really wondering, okay, how is she gonna fix it this time? Yes, yes, yes. How is you? You really don't know, and well, I'm not gonna ruin it for you. So go read it. But also read on a full stomach. That book made me so hungry with all the food scenes. <laughs> There's a lot of food scenes, and they're really good. Just I want to. I love North Africa anyway, and uh, I just wanted to go eat a lot. Yeah, but but the, the fundamental. Um, I mean, he essentially did the same thing. I mean, in Boston Metaphysical, I use uh, the breaking off point from American history. I use uh, the War of eighteen twelve. Um, what, what he does is there's a breakthrough to another parallel universe and all these magical beings come through and Cairo is able to overthrow um, English domination and is now one of the most powerful nations on earth. Um, so yeah, he uses that little crux and change in history to Change, change the timeline. It's fantastic. Like you have people from Germany coming to bend them, supplicate me to Cairo. Please support our technology. It's just a fantastic yeah. twist. It's, yeah, it's a nice. Who's the author again? I've turned the name, but I think the author of the Burning 
It's P. Jelly Clark. P. Jelly Clark, okay, I'm pregnant with And um, though they don't ignore the fact that there is misogyny and, and a caste system within Egypt and the Islamic nation and things like that. So he, he doesn't ignore, it's not all like village of the happy people. It's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to go back down under to another Australian author. This is uh, one of the, this is actually not a small press novel. It was actually done uh, by, but by a major Australian press, and it is available now in the US. And the tagline I love, uh, which was the steampunk origin of rock and roll. <laughs> and uh, essentially, uh, but I discovered uh, Richard Harlan through his submissions to my Tales of the Talisman magazine. And so the fact that he, he, he does definitely have some, some small press ties, uh, but his He's very interested in his steampunk in exploring the whole class problems of, of the era. And what happens is it's essentially the story of, of a young woman who ends up basically finding herself stripped of her class and, and living in the slums and trying to make a life. And through that, they end up basically making music. And she, she discovers that her, her classical Roots are, are not really appreciated down in the uh, in, in the slums, but finds a way to, to make music, and it ends up becoming the rock and becoming rock and roll, and starts breaking down some of those class barriers. It was just a it was just you know all of his he, he's written three uh, novels, steampunk novels that are available in the U.S. Uh, World Shaker, Liberator, and Song of the Slums, and I would recommend all three of those. Thank you. Ah, now I'm going to have to read those. Um, so, Murder on the Titania and Other Steam-Powered Adventures by Alex Axe is my next recommendation. And honestly, I'm so obsessed with these stories that Alex wrote. Um, this is a compilation, a novella, and short stories set in the same world with the same sort of cast of characters surrounding the, the swashbuckling cheeky heroine, Captain Marta Ramos, who is just, um, well, my data. And um, uh, also, give a tea, and she could rob me, that would be fine. But uh, she has a great cast of side characters who accompany her on her adventures and a wonderful like flirtation with a scarlet woman sort of figure who does a bunch of nefarious spy-like things. And so it's just a romp, but it's a wonderful romp. And the first story in this compilation, I was surprised. I did not see it coming. And not to, not, I'm not bragging, but I usually do see it coming and often read the end of my novels first because <laughs> uh, I don't need spoilers. But I was actually quite surprised, delightfully surprised. It was a great sort of twist. Um, Alex Axe is a great writer and they are in Colorado so they have a real feel for the place they're writing about and they turn some other things on their heads. Instead of having airships be supreme, they do some really cool things with this train that can jump like, uh, like Tesla's dream of jumping. It's just absurd and also slightly terrifying to read about. <laughs> I would not want to be on that train, but I liked that it existed in fiction, so great book.
great, great source of uh, actually compilation. All right, last one. Um, the last one on my list is Ink and Bone by Rachel Kane. Yeah. Um, and this is actually a, I think it's five books in this series. Um, and it's about uh, if the Great Library of Alexandria had survived, it never was destroyed. And now the, the Great Library is a presence all over the world. It's in every country. They have um, daughter libraries in every city, uh, pretty much all over the world. And the catch, though, is that the library controls all the knowledge and all the books. And they keep all of the original books um, themselves. And they have what's called blanks, I guess, kind of like the equivalent of what a tablet would be. Um, but it does have pages, but basically the words of whatever book you want can be on the pages of your book. Um, but no one's allowed to actually own original books. Um, and the main character, his name is Jess Brightwell, and his family is book, book smugglers in this world. And. Um, his father decides that since he doesn't want to take over the family business and be a book smuggler, then he should try to become a librarian himself and spy for his family and maybe ease the way a little bit and tell them when the library raids are coming and things like that. So, and it's a really great series and has a lot of amazing characters. Um, this one's for a little bit older kids. Like, I wouldn't give it to maybe sixth graders, you know, on up. But. It's a fantastic read. It's really good. It's really yeah, terrific. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my last one we actually we already talked about, the hunch, Hunchback Assignment. Um, trying to think of uh, another one. <clears throat> I mean, it's set in the same time period. Um, I'm not sure who would call it still points, but uh, Theodore, Theodora Voss's The Alchemist. Oh, yes. This is so good. Did you almost you? I do. They're totally speaking. I do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because I almost saw it as more gothic, murder mystery. It's got some <coughs> mad science. It's close enough. Yeah, that's, that's true. It does. It, it does. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure if it did. Um, I have to say, I, it was another one, an audiobook I also listened to. I was kind of ambivalent when I was first listening to it because there's sometimes. Uh, books, when they're on audiobooks, the transitions don't work well when you have it vis and visually, you're like, oh, this is a break, right. and you get it, and it took a little while to like, oh, now I understand what's happening because there's a there's a breaking of the fourth wall with, within, and, and listening to an audiobook form, you're going like, has the book started yet? <laughs> <laughs> but then once you get into the rhythm of it, it it's fine, and it's... <laughs> To, to boil it down, um, it the daughter of every iconic horror uh, figure in, li in literary history comes together. <laughs> uh, we were talking about um, uh, Doctor Doctor Jekyll's daughter, Doctor Hyde's daughter, Mister Hyde's daughter, Frankenstein. Um, uh, Dr. Moreau, Catherine Moreau, and then there's references, you know, you've got Renfield, you've got 
And I almost started laughing in the middle of it because I'm like, okay, who else are we going to dump in here? <laughs> <laughs> We're missing a few, and they came. They but it's so fun. But it is. It is. It is a tremendous fun. Um, the, these women are, are very dynamic. They're all very different. They all have each have their own agendas. Um, and and if you listen to an audiobook, just beware. You're going to have to your brain's going to flip a little bit, and then you're going like, oh, okay, I get what's going on here. But I'm sure if you're reading it, it's instantly you're going to go, oh, we're yeah. switching sections here. Um, but yeah, I did end up really enjoying it, even after I'm going like, what, what, what? what? Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, even even though she kind of threw in the, the kitchen sink with the iconic characters, it all works out perfectly, and, and, and she does a great job. I think fantastic. I also think it's a good one to give to kids because I think it's a good introduction to a lot of those classical characters that might be out of their reach, but they could read this and then later on maybe pick up Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and be like, oh, I, I remember this concept from that. Yeah, and she balanced using, because uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson are also in it, yeah. but they're not, not the main, they're not the major characters, but often you, when you get someone that bigger than life um, into your book, it can take over your scene, and it can sometimes take over your book. And I thought she balanced that really well, that they were supporting characters, and it didn't become their story, because I could see how that could easily happen, because they're so big in, in their mind. Um, it, it's like when you're, if you bring Einstein or Tesla into a room, they just, as a writer, or any kind of writer, they take over the scene. And it's almost because they are they're larger than life figures, um, but yeah, I think she balanced that really well. It's fantastic, good. Yeah. And I just have—it's not actually my next recommendation, but I have—I kind of had to, to laugh because I had that same exact recommend that, that same exact thought with the last book I just read, which was <laughs> I finally got around to reading *Anno Dracula* by Kim Newman, oh, okay. which is that same exact. The, the premise of that book is: What if Dracula had actually won? And he ends up becoming prince consort of the British Empire. <laughs> now, Dracula doesn't really ever appear until like the very last chapter of the book, but it's all about. But again, it's it's just one of these. He he throws in like every Victorian vampire you have ever heard of, and I kept going, "Who's he going to throw in next?" You know, including you know like the cameo by Lestat. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it was just just a. But yeah, if you if you haven't read it, it I, I would not really call that um, that one steampunk. It's very much you know Victorian Gothic. But uh, but if you but if you like the, the um, strange case of the alchemist daughter, Anno Dracula is is a lot of fun as well. Um, the last book that's on my list, though, I actually went back to another one of the authors who was a first-year author with me here at Wild Wild oh, West Con, which yeah. was Olivia M. O. M. Gray and uh, The Zomb Zombies of Mesmer. And my recommendations are kind of bookended a little bit in the sense that uh, one reviewer described uh, Beyond the Rails uh, by Jack Tyler as sort of um, Firefly in a steampunk world. And the zombies of Mesmer is very much sort of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in a steampunk world. It's uh, it, it basically is a vampire hunter in in this uh, in this very Victorian class uh, steampunk world. And again, it's just you know it, it's not a very deep read, but it is, but it is a lot of fun if you're kind of looking to to scratch that. Uh, 
that Joss Whedon itch with less Joss Whedon, <laughs> um, that's a, that, that's a uh, good place to do that. I'll give it, yeah, that's <laughs> excellent change, my friends. Um, right, so, uh, so I wanted to finish my list up with uh, one of my ultimate favorite books, not just in steampunk, but of all the things I've read. And um, I knew the author was here this weekend, and so I thought, I, I actually have met many people who are like, who is that, and what have they written? And I'm like, well, her name's Gail Carragher, and she started things up for many of us with Solus. Um, I could have picked so many of uh, the books from this world that Gail has written. But um, Solace is what started it out for me. And so I thought that that was a really good place to start with a recommendation. And, uh, you know, I am a huge fan. And so it's a little bit hard for me to do anything other than fangirl. But for me, one of the things I love about this work is that it is full of whimsy and comedy and, you know, situations that revolve around manners and you know that is my kind of humor and humor is not often a thing you find in steampunk and as a steampunk humorist i'm sort of like oh look there's comedy here so exciting i love that it's it's more than comedy um although i would say comedy is one of the hardest things for me to read successfully because it's hard to write successfully. Um, and so finding such stellar comedy is such a joy. But also the characters had took up a lot of space in my heart and my psyche because they're so well-developed. I feel as though I could meet them. And perhaps in my little kitty brain I have, you know, a little psychosis there. But uh, there's also a lot of tea, excellent fashions like excellent fashion the hats are their own character uh, there's this tremendous community of fans that you get to fall into once you have been infected with a love of gail Carriger's works so that's also waiting for you but um do make yourself a cup of tea when you're reading these maybe have some scones nearby otherwise you're going to start craving treacle tart and that is um that's a dark path, my friends. <laughs> so, be prepared, you know. All right, that's my last recommendation. I think we've all gone through our list. So, I'm just going to check our wee time. We have just a few moments before we're terrible and must scamper. But, uh, first of all, thank you all for agreeing to this. Thank you. Thank you for my pleasure. Um, absolutely my pleasure. I love, I love reading and I'm so ecstatic to be here with two authors that I really also love reading. So that's pretty cool. Um, but if you had anything you'd like to share maybe about either how you find good steampunk books or what you look for in a good steampunk book. Or both. I'm ambivalent about it. You don't have to do either or. David? You know, how I find, you know, you know, the way I, I found a lot of my good first steampunk was by cheating, by actually owning a magazine and collecting submissions. <laughs> I, that, that's sort of not a route for everyone <laughs> as far as timing. But, but I will say that 
going out and supporting small press magazines that might have a, a variety of people who you might not see in, in every anthology out there, or looking at small press uh, publishers that publish a variety of anthologies that feature a variety of different authors is really a good way if you go through their short stories, you often will find authors that, I really like that story, I want to go read something more of them. And many of the people on my list, that basically is how I, that, that's the short form of how I, how I discovered them. And I would say um, Danielle Ackley McPhail's eSpec Books is a good place to, to start as just a place to go look for such anthologies. Um, she is, like I say, she is currently running a number of, she's running a Kickstarter for a set of ghost stories right now, an anthology of ghost stories, but she is, she's uh, the publisher of Gaslight and Grimm and Afterpunk, which I've had stories in, two very good steampunk anthologies, and she's very, uh, very up on promoting steampunk. In fact, Bill Bodden recommended her novel, uh, let me see if I can find this page quickly. Oh, okay. You know, she, she really should be reaching out to me, David. Yes. She should be reaching out to me on Pixar. Yeah. Well, Baba Ali and the Clockwork Gin yeah, by, by Danielle and De Al Muhammad is a highly recommended book. Fantastic book. Yeah, actually, the reason why I say that is that I've run 10 Kickstarters, and so I, uh, in for the comics and for the audio drama that we just recently finished. Um, and in the, in the comics world, uh, we do a lot of cross-promoting in the indie comics world. Uh, we're very proactive, we all know each other. And uh, unfortunately, the, the novel and short story and anthology, pro, prose anthology, um, isn't quite as large. And so that's why I'm saying, what happens is that when I do an update, someone approaches me like, can you basically plug my Kickstarter on your next update? And if I have room and can schedule it, I say, sure. And that will go in front of my 900 plus backers and they'll possibly go back. Anyway, it's a great way to promote. Thank you. But she has to contact me. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> encouraged. Yes. Of course. Being a full-time health professional and oh, yeah, that's, a publisher that's a is a little tough. Uh, it's a little tough. Uh, I know. It's hard. It's very hard. Anyway, I see a hand back. Yes. Mel has two. Yes. And a very, very new English person. How do you access this book club you keep referring to? Oh, oh, excellent. Uh, great question. So, do you follow my social media at all? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Don't do that. Today. All right. You just met me today. Fantastic. Well, good job, you. Um, so, first of all, I'd say uh, go to the fan table for the Temporal Entourage. It has a QR code, which will take you to a link tree with a ton of links. Um, and uh, so, book club, I always post it to Facebook. I talk about it in our Discord server. I post about it on our website. You do not have to be on Facebook, but you do need to be digital. And I have not quite made the jump to newsletter, but I probably need to, I'm <laughs> realizing. So, uh, but if you follow me through one of those means, you will get notifications. It happens every third Sunday of every month, except for March, because of this convention, frankly. 
and December, because there are holidays in December, I hear. Um, and it's always at 4.30 p.m. Seattle Pacific time. We don't set it to Arizona time, because then I have to change the time zones for everyone else, and I'm lazy. So um, we meet on Zoom, and uh, I live stream it as well. So all of our book clubs for the last two years are archived. And then I review books from the book club Fridays on, on TikTok, like a, a, a sort of a fascinating uh, Gen Xer on the TikToks. Oh. <laughs> so I hope that answers your question. Your website is? Oh, uh, so sorry. www.madamaskewlikemyhat.com. I can't find books that are like The Different Century by Gibson. Oh. Oh. Yes, It's not actually a, a novel, but I was going to say... Um, it's a textbook. It's, no, it's uh, the... the, um, the Babbage and what, the Sydney Padua's um, comic that she did. It's actually a very annotated comic. The um, it, it's about it's actually Loveless and Babbage. But if you looked up Lo Loveless and Babbage by uh, Padua, they're basically uh, it's basically a comic. But she does. Um, but she's she's also a computer scientist. And she's talked a lot about the early days of Babbage engines, what they could do, imagines what they might have done if they had actually been developed and. Uh, um, it was all published as a graphic novel. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact title of it, but if you look that, if you look up Loveless and Babbage by, by Padua, you should be able to find it. Thank you. Before you go, if you want our book recommendations, we have printouts of them here that have the titles, titles, synopsis. And we'll put what's left at the top of Thank you all for being here. To our next panel, uh, we apologize for running over a bit. We're scampering now. I think the panel is next is ours. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.